We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Fonlico, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Indeed, and Bet Online. We are so happy that you are here. Matt, you got to watch Big Ten football. More importantly, you got to watch Ohio State football this weekend. I'm sure you're still buzzing. Uh, yeah, and the fact that I'm sitting here drinking beer uh, and I haven't had beer in a couple of weeks. I'm buzzing because of that too, but uh, (laughs) it's a good, well, no. And then it was even better because I told you guys um, before the game that uh, I was missing my nephew's last baseball game of the year, his last fall baseball game. I lucked out game got called. um, So I'm not even a bad uncle. So that was great news. Uh, Game went, I mean, you guys saw my reactions during the game. It was a little bit not happy, but then turned happy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's all it's been Ohio State over the past couple of years is they have those moments where you're just like, come on. They did cost me a lock. I'm okay us, with it. They cost us a lock. I followed you on that lock. Remember? I mean, let's be very clear. My analysis of that lock was perfectly fine. It was that there was a weird play where all of a sudden they got they got the first down. There was a penalty. Had they not gotten that penalty, on the first down play, they probably walk in for a score, and then we cover. Yep. 
Oh, uh, it's the it worst. Frustrating, but it was fun. It was fun. I was glad to watch some uh, Big Ten football. Felt like a really heavy slate. Like when we go through the games later, I'll be tell- telling uh, more than once. Well, I didn't get to watch this game because I was busy watching this other game. Like I it only was, have like so many devices I can watch games on. So it was it, it was, was the a lot of back and forth. football. It was great. Uh, I I mentioned it a few weeks ago when the SEC came back that it was the first time I felt like wow. I have too many. I can't just have one last button going. I actually have to know the channel numbers to flip between them um, because of that. And now now it's just chaos. Now I'm just like, I'm going to have to find highlight or find like a YouTube run back game on this one because there's no chance I'm watching it live. Right. Yeah, I, I bring one of the TVs in, into my living room. So I've got two TVs in there. I've got the laptop and my phone. So I've got four devices that I'm I'm watching and, and one of them, like my TV, I'll like flip through a few different ones, but the other ones I just try to watch as much of one game. Uh, like for example, this, this game, one of the, one of the games I was flipping back and forth from was Oklahoma state. And like, by the end of the day, like Spencer Sanders numbers didn't look amazing, but I swear every time I was watching Oklahoma state, he looked fantastic. So I didn't see any of his interceptions. I just saw him running and throwing and looking like a, Heisman candidate so I was like I probably need to go back and watch some more of this game later on because uh from my eyes Spencer Sanders is like the second coming of Christ he's a good player I I I think we we sort of forgot when he was gone that he was actually good and I I mean I I think he's a he's an interesting player I don't think he's a Debbie player I wish he was because he's fun but yeah he's he's a guy that'll bring a lot of entertainment to games if only because he will um, run for his life. So, and that line still sucks. So he's going to have right. to run for his life. Yeah. Well, um, we've got a great show this week. We've got, of course, we're going to hit our news and notes. There's some really unfortunate news we have to talk about. Uh, then we'll, it's you know, do our, week. yeah, we can do our, can we talk about section? And then of course, we're going to do a quick week eight recap, go through the week's big games, as well as uh, review our locks for last week. And then we will jump into the future. We will look at week nine, go through some of the big games on the slate, and then uh, do our locks slash picks. Matt does locks. I do picks. That's, you know that. Hold a, up. A I'm not sub 500. <laughs> oh man. It's been, it's been rough. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to round into form right as uh, this season gets cut short. Um, but before we go any further, I mean, absolutely heartbreaking news. You and I have been just moving Jalen Waddle up our ranks after every game, he's jumping a few spots. He was all the way up to like wide receiver. I think you were wanting to put him at wide two. receiver two. Yeah. And now he's out for the year. Real bummer. Uh, just a couple of thoughts uh, I'd like to hear from you is, is one, what does this mean for Waddle's outlook in the NFL? Two, what does this mean for Alabama? And three, just you can mourn out loud for a few minutes if you'd like. Uh, I mean, it's it sucks. Realistically, the only thing I can say about this is it does suck from a a fun standpoint because he was. I mean, we've we've talked about him a lot. He's one of the most fun players in all of college football to watch. He was the type of guy that it didn't matter if he got thrown a screen or a crossing route or if he just was on a go route. It didn't matter. There was always a chance it was going to the end zone because he was that level of an athlete. And I mean, his punt returns that he has were. Honestly, some of the most electric plays you'll watch in the entire college football season. Mm-hmm. So it's just a bummer from an Alabama standpoint. It's hard to say that losing one of the like 10 best wide receivers in college football uh, doesn't matter, um, but it might not matter. 
I'm sure they could. I mean, we've already seen Mechie is a guy that can go in there and be productive. Devonta Smith is obviously super productive. And the one thing I can promise about Alabama is they recruited a ton of talent. So I think they'll be fine. I think they'll have somebody who fills in. Maybe in week one, your their offense will be a little bit sloppy without him, and they'll rely a little bit more on like Najee Harris. But I wouldn't even expect too much. But I'm maybe long term it has an effect on Mac Jones because uh, Waddle was such a huge yak guy. Yeah, but long. I mean, over the course of the year, by the time we get to the point where they're challenged again in the SEC championship game, I have no doubt that team's going to be absurd. Yeah, I was curious about what it might mean for um, for Mac Jones. So I am glad you brought that up. I do like we had been talking about him with uh, over on Travis's podcast about how Mac Jones, you know, we've had to rank him now and he's moved up and you and I have been discussing like, what does this mean for rookie drafts next year? So it'll be interesting to see if he's still able to produce. Like you said, Mechie's really uh, come into form this year. So they do have a lot of skill positions. As for Waddle's actual stock for the NFL and how I'm, adjusting for it i'm not uh i was prepared to move waddle all the way up to wide receiver two inside my top five overall players for debbie i'm just not doing that now i'm leaving him where i have him which i think is like player 11 overall which is absurd it just means i'm leaving him at wide receiver five and i was just getting prepared to shoot him to the moon it sounds like he'll probably be ready for the combine and if you let that kid be at the combine Something tells me he's going to do something special and he's still going to go first round. Yep, I, I totally agree. I, I think the talent is there and he's shown it enough on the field that he, uh, I, I don't think there's going to be very, very many doubters. We have a couple of, well, let's, before we re- jump over to the running backs, let's talk about another quarterback, uh, Graham Mertz. Uh, <sighs> news broke, of course, that he has COVID along with the uh, backup quarterback. And in fact, the game had to be postponed because of what's going on in Wisconsin. So this is a real bummer. Mertz might miss, you know, three Three weeks, they have like a 21-day yeah, 21 days heard, is the minimum. I heard that because like their game wasn't a Friday, maybe he can get out for that Saturday game. So maybe he only misses uh, the two games, but we'll have to see. But real bummer. We were really excited about what we saw from him on Friday night. I mean, he looked lights out. I think he only had one. There was only one incomplete pass. Uh, just and it was still monster, catchable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely monster game. So real shame that we're not going to be able to see if that was a legit performance or if it was... Uh, just Illinois being terrible. Do you think but... Cone gets his job back? Well, when will Cone play? Because it's a I mean... good question. If, but it, I mean, I would. I'm just. I would actually find it very interesting if Cone becomes available at the time when Mertz is available to come back. Who gets the start? Oh man, I, I would start if... Mertz personally. Yeah, but... you would. But I was. I, I would have started Mertz last year. Well, exactly, but. You know that they do have a track record with Cone, and with that defense, they don't have to put her up, put up a, a ton of points. You know, mm-hmm. I wonder if they do what Clemson did during Lawrence's freshman year, where they kind of go back and forth a little bit and and kind of see what what shakes out and and see if one emerges over the other. But I, I would imagine they go to kind of a split quarterback situation there. But I have no no reason other than what that's what I would probably do. But no no other reason to believe that other than it just seems to make too much sense. <laughs> We have some yeah. running back news. Uh, we lost two running backs for, for different reasons this week. We've got Noah Kane out for the year, and then Kylan Hill opted out. You know, I'm a huge Kylan Hill fan. This was pretty disappointing, but he's been dealing with injuries ever since his huge monster game uh, week one. But Mississippi State has been playing so poorly, I just don't think he cared to get back there and uh, just kind of realize that the best route for him in the NFL was to focus on the NFL combine, get ready for that, 
crush it there, get healthy and, and see if he can't boost his draft capital. I don't think this changes much for Mississippi state. They've been struggling anyway, uh, but Kylan Hill, I, I not sure it's going to mess his NFL profile up too much. Uh, we'll have to see Noah Kane though. That that's a big, that's a big hit for Penn state. Kind of already down. Well, already down. I, I Journey mean, Brown yes. is more what I mean. They, so they, I mean, journey Brown was a bigger hit. Noah Kane. Yep. That one sucks. They still have someone else whose name I'm blanking on. Uh, yeah, they're fine. Um, but they've got two really good freshmen. Uh, one of them got a little bit of playing time. Kayvon Lee. He's the one I'm probably most interested in. Uh, I've seen comps for like young Todd Gurley. Um, for him and if this gets him onto the field faster i kind of think i i mean he looked really good in week one he was one of the backs that actually worked so yeah i mean as a whole i don't really know what to make of penn state right now because that team's kind of in a weird spot and i think Mm -hmm. they're about to go get beat up really badly um so I mean, it's a bummer for him. I think if you're a Penn State team, this is just another bit. If you're a Penn State fan, this is just a, another piece of news on what feels like a week that sucks and won't quit yeah. kicking you in the crotch. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very disappointing. Uh, very disappointing week for Penn State fans. <laughs> um, finally, uh, we have three postponed games. As of now, we're recording on Wednesday night, so there could be more by the time you listen to this. But as of now, Wisconsin-Nebraska postponed. Uh, University of North Texas versus UTEP is postponed, and then Marshall versus Florida International postponed, which is a bummer because I've really been enjoying watching Marshall play. They've been <laughs> they've been really really good, and I really wanted to lock up. Good. <laughs> yeah. And I really wanted I wanted to lock up UTEP unders. They keep robbing me. This is like their third postponement that I haven't been able to lock up a UTEP under. Yeah, and I already had placed a bet on a brass. Uh, excuse me, on Wisconsin before it was actually before the Mertz news even broke. I had already put money on on wisconsin so you might have gotten then, saved it was seven and a half at that point then it dropped to three and a half and i put more money on it <laughs> and then i got all my money back today because uh yeah it's not happening you got bailed out yeah maybe i i didn't i i think that defense was going to be able to shut down nebraska and i think wisconsin can just run with that offensive line so we'll see but hey can we talk about something i heard on um well i read on twitter so I didn't hear the interview, but Trevor Lawrence said over the weekend, my mindset has been that I'm going to move on to the NFL. Uh, but he said on Tuesday, but who knows? There's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, and I kind of wonder if the Jets are locked and loaded for that first overall pick. If Trevor Lawrence shocks the world and decides to stay at Clemson no. for another year, no. what do you think the odds are Zero. that this is just so? So why do you think he said this? Because it's a thing to say. But he's already no, because when no, in all honesty, the truth is this if you are in his position, you don't want to give any hints that you are thinking, and you, and truthfully, you're but he already had, but you're already in your season's already locked. Like, you need to have your focus on national championship or bust. That the only thing that matters is the national championship, and he's not even thinking about it. And that's what he's saying there. He is saying, I'm not even thinking about it. If I, what if I, for him, what if he goes to, the national championship game and loses on like a bogus call. Like, I don't know, like somebody who catches the football fumbles it. The team returns it for a touchdown, which would have been the winning score. Like, I mean, how could you let leave a, a game in that type of heartbreak? So I, I'm, I'm just saying like, I think what he's saying in that comment is 
right now I'm focused on the season. I'm not even thinking about the NFL. I, as I know everyone wants to spin this as a, wow, the jets suck. He's trying to say he doesn't want to go to the jets. Let's be honest. By the time the draft happens, Adam Gaze is going to be gone. So the jets are going to be, I mean, in the assumption of rational ownership, they need to fire Adam Gaze. And whether it's, they get Eric Bieniemy, they get, I don't even know who's up for it anymore. If they get Eric Bieniemy, there's no chance in heck that uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be upset to go play for that guy. So I, yeah. I would say that is a uh, a nice quote that everyone gets to run with. And if it were a like, if it weren't Trevor Lawrence and it were any other player over the last like decade, they probably doesn't even make the news. The reason it stuck out to me is just because he had said earlier that like, yeah, I'm definitely going to the NFL. And now all of a sudden there's this, well, so, but you're not buying it and that's totally fine. How about you? What's something you want to talk about? I actually don't have a lot to talk about. So I just wrote in Justin Fields. Here's (laughs) all I have to say. So for as much love as Graham Mertz rightfully got for his performance on that Friday, um, Justin Fields basically mimicked it on Saturday against probably a better team. And because he went 20 for 21, which was, I think, the exact same number Mertz went. He did it with more yardage. And his only uh, incompletion was a drop on like the hardest hit that uh, anyone took all game uh, by Alave. Yeah, Alave got, got rocked on that one. That was, it, I mean, I'll say this. Nebraska is not a good defense, but they are a I'm going to hit you defense. They were trying to make every single Ohio State player who caught a pass remember uh, that they caught a pass and yeah. So he had the one and I will say Mertz did have all Pat, all of his passes were re- judged as catchable. I will say fields threw one uncatchable pass and got bailed out. There was a pass interference call in the second half where uh, I think they were throwing to Luke Farrell and they called a PI. There was no chance the ball was catchable and they called a PI on a kind of a garbage PI call. But either way, I haven't talked about Justin Fields in a while, so I needed to talk about Justin Fields. Yep, you're you're uh, you're Debbie one hundred and one, I believe, in Superflex. Yes. He's yep. he's not moving. Yeah. Well, speaking of number one, Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts which is absolutely fantastic in a season of life where things change so fast. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, just like their sponsored job feature, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to give you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means you'll find more quality candidates and you'll find them fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply, and this offer is valid through December 31st. All right, Matt, can you take us through our, our week eight recap real quick? Sure. So week eight was brutal. So I went two and five on the week. Uh, that brings me to 13, 15 and two on my locks for the year. I was four and two on the regular, the premier games for the week. And uh, that brings me to 500 for the year. I'm 
I, I still don't understand how that's possible, but deal. I what we like we mentioned at the top, Ohio State missed out on our minus 13 and a half first half line. It was only 10. It was really disappointing. It very easily could have been 14. And honestly, I was a little bit disappointed because there were plenty of spots. Uh, I took Minnesota plus three and a half against Michigan. I actually thought Minnesota was going to outright that game. Let's just say Minnesota is not as good as we thought they were. Uh, they got crushed by 25 points. Uh, Utah State and Boise State. Uh, I had under 53 and a half. I thought this game was locked up. I'm just putting this. I thought I had this one. There was a, a touchdown or a field goal. I don't remember what it was. There was a score with a minute and a half left that put us on the over. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Illinois, Wisconsin. Same thing happened. <laughs> cool. That one hit 52. Thanks, guys. You're really helping another me garbage, out. Another garbage touchdown, too. <sighs> yep. Uh, Maryland, Northwestern, under 55 and a half. Pretty happy to hit this one. Game only got to 46. Um, yeah. Uh, Mar- Miami and Virginia. Under 58 and a half total was not even close. Uh, 33 uh, in our first lock disagreement of the year. Uh, I had Louisville and Florida state under 61 game was 64. This is what happens when you take uh, totals. Everything is close. And, and when you lose, it's really heartbreaking because I feel like my analysis was spot on on all of these games with the exception of my spreads. Cause those were just wrong. Well, I, I think the really frustrating one for me was the Illinois-Wisconsin game because you had it at 51 and a half. It ends at 52. Wisconsin kicked a field goal up 42-7. They kicked a field goal with less than a minute left. I mean, come on. They hated that's just, they that's didn't just like me. That's just rude. That's just rude. Yeah, I, I did okay on my locks. I mean, I went... Actually, I just had a 500 week. I went four and four on uh, locks and I went three and three on the regular games. Um, App State minus 10 and a half hit. They ended up rolling um, Arkansas State uh, 45, 17. I had the over 64 and a half. It ended at 62. That was a game where they just took their foot off the gas. I wish they would have pulled a Wisconsin and just kept scoring, but it didn't happen. I, I joined you with Ohio state minus 13 and a half in the first half missed out on that. I was on Tulsa minus 10 and a half. They crushed USF 42, 13 in hindsight. I really regretted not putting more money on that game in all honesty, because I felt pretty good about it and they just did, just dominated them. Uh, I took Alabama minus 20 and a half. That one was never in doubt at Tennessee. Alabama wins uh, 48-17. I was on the wrong side of Temple at Memphis. I, I got the line at minus 13 and it ended minus 12. It was funny because I thought I had locked it up at minus 12. And so when I saw the score at the end, I was like, yeah, Memphis did it. And then I realized with my terrible math skills that I had missed it. And I was very disappointed. Uh, I was on the wrong side of West Virginia at Texas Tech. I still don't really know how that happened. Uh yeah, that was a real bummer. Texas Tech gets their first win of the year. And then, of course, in our uh, disagreement on the FSU Louisville over, um, that one hit. Uh, not by much. That was a pretty pretty good game, though, uh, from a scoring perspective for, for, for Louisville, who put up 48 points. So uh, that was pretty fun. Um, our upset special, only, only one of them hit. Cincinnati beat SMU. Uh, they actually rolled pretty easily. And, and the other three that we were on were uh, Minnesota, Tulane, and Baylor, and, and they did not hit. Uh, but let's get into the Week 8 review. Again, you had a really good week. You went four and two in, in this in this section. Uh, the first game we we kind of previewed was Oklahoma at TCU. TCU plus six and a half. Final score was uh, Oklahoma thirty three, TCU fourteen. You were uh, looking to to see what Zach 
Evans was going to do running back for TCU. Uh, what did you think of, of his performance? I'm not going to act like I watched this game, um, but I, I am happy to see him getting playing time. So one for one rush for 10 yards, really nothing special. there. just good. He's getting on the field a little bit, five receptions for 56. I'm really thrilled. He can catch the ball a lot better than I anticipated. Cause I thought he was kind of a straight line, just bull of a runner. Um, but it's good to see that he's a little more well-rounded than I thought. So I would say Zach Evans is a guy that I don't know. He's not going to be in the same realm as like Tank Bigsby, Jameer Gibbs that we've already seen a ton of this year. But he is one of those guys that, I mean, similar to like a Kendall Milton, a Bijan Robinson, they're a really high pedigree guy for a reason. And the moment they start to see the field a lot, just kind of be ready because they're going to be the centerpiece of a lot of offenses. And I think he's going to be the centerpiece of the Oklahoma, or not, if it was on Oklahoma, it'd be more fun. Um, yes. He's going to be the centerpiece of the TCU offense. And if that offense gets rolling, I think he's going to be the reason. So um, look out for 2021 year. Yeah. And I mean, if you had were playing him in a, like a PPR, he was fine. He had double digits. Uh, I was watching Charleston Rambo. Another disappointing game, two for 29, no touchdowns. I think the real talking point for, for this game, from my perspective, was uh, Marvin Mims just continues Great to really... Steps. He he really looks great. Stop it. Marvin Mims is really impressing me. He uh, had 132 yards and two touchdowns on only four receptions, but still really producing. He's really looking like uh, the outside receiver that uh, Spencer Rattler is, is is looking at for those big plays. And uh, as a freshman, I think he could really develop into a, a fine, fine NFL prospect here. I'm excited about him. We talked about him with Travis over the weekend with the uh, our Debbie Summit. So really exciting for really excited for Marvin Mims to see where he's going. And Oklahoma seems to have righted the ship a little bit. They seem to be back in the, uh, you know, headed in the right direction. Meanwhile, TCU started off the season uh, looking pretty good, I thought, and now is uh, is kind of waffling a little bit. And I'm not exactly sure uh, what to expect from them going forward. But I have, you know, I've lost a lot of confidence in TCU. That's for that's for sure. Definitely, that win over Oklahoma, for as weird as the game was definitely seem to be the stabilizing game that they needed. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to uh, the big 10 Nebraska 17 at Ohio state 52. The line was 26. We are both on Ohio state on this one. So we, we are both correct. You obviously watched this game. Uh, what would, what do you, what do you think about Ohio state moving forward? Was there any area? Cause I know you're a huge fan. You're a bit of a Homer. You, you have no problem admitting that. Well, what, did you see anything in this game that made you feel a little bit nervous for Ohio State moving forward? A little bit. So I think that the idea. So one of the things that Jeff Halfley was talking or talked about in an interview, and Jeff Halfley is the former Ohio State defensive coordinator who is now the uh, head coach for Boston College. He had an interview where they asked him kind of about the Ohio State defense recently. One of the things he mentioned was that Ohio State is really exploit like it's easy to exploit them if you have a mobile quarterback. And I think Nebraska kind of saw that playbook and said, we're going to go at them with multiple running quarterbacks. So they came out with that. What was a little bit concerning is over the last 10 years, you've gotten to a point where you just sort of expect that Ohio State's defensive line is going to be the best in the country or among the best in the country. And at least in the first quarter, they weren't really getting the push that you'd expect. They weren't really getting pressure in the way you'd expect. And it wasn't until they made a couple of substitutions. They brought on uh, Zach Harrison, who's a defensive end, who 
really made an instant impact. And then Haskell Garrett, who it's still a crazy that he's even playing considering he was shot in the face less than two months ago. That's um, crazy. Yeah, but so I think the talent's there. I think that that was kind of just a weird game in Nebraska. I mean, they had stability across their offensive line, which I sometimes think is an overplayed stat, but I think in this case, those guys just played well together. I say all this acting like Nebraska scored like 30 points on this defense. They scored 17, and that first drive, they really pulled out, like they threw the kitchen sink at him with a Luke McCaffrey run that broke off for like, think it was like a 40 something yard run maybe even longer than that but i don't know it was it was a a game that i as an ohio state fan was annoyed with annoyed with annoyed with and then oh that's the ohio state i remember um and like i said to jordan it was an avalanche was coming at a certain point once nebraska made a mistake then the points were just going to come in and it was going to get out of hand and it did yeah it did my player that I was watching was uh, Wandale, and I wasn't that impressed. He was fine. He went six for 49. Uh, I thought one of the people that uh, really caught my eye, other than you know some of the obvious names like the Wilsons and Olaves, uh, was Luke McCaffrey, just because they used him in so many different ways. He was four for five, passing with 55 yards. He had 87 yards rushing. Uh, to your point, 47 of those came on one run, and then he um, he had one target for one reception and five yards, but really involved in the game plan for Nebraska. I'm curious to see if they, well, they're not playing this week, but I was I was curious to see if that was what they were going to be looking to do moving forward or if that was a specific for Ohio State. One thing that I thought you might talk about uh, regarding Ohio State as an area of concern was just the, the production from the running backs. And um, I got a little nervous, and they were talking about it on the broadcast too, that if, if Justin Fields... Uh, has to carry the the weight of the rushing offense, just how, you know, that may not be ideal uh, just because you don't want your quarterback to get hit that often. Um, what do you think about that? You think the running backs are going to be able to kind of grow into this role? Yes. Or are you concerned? I think I, uh, so I said to you guys during the game, I was telling you how I basically can assess these teams or these running backs. Uh, Master Teague, is a uh, straightforward back. And by that, I mean, he literally can only run straight forward. If you ask him to turn even slightly, he ain't doing it. It's it's he's pretty much going to fall over. Um, <clears throat> so the idea that we're going to have a back like J.K. Dobbins with our lead back is probably needs to go out the window. I think they miscast them in this game. I think that had they played Trey Sermon in a lot of the spots where they played Master Teague, they probably would have gotten Sermon warmed up a little bit quicker because he ended up finding a little bit more success as the game rolled on. Um, but I think Master Teague looks very much like a pure power back. I don't even want to give it like he almost looks like a Bo Scarborough type, like not really good, but just not going to be fun to tackle if he's running at you in a straight line. And then I, I was a little bit excited to see Steel Chambers got some work in the I think it was in the third quarter when they were backed up on their five yard line and he made a couple of nice plays. He drew another, he drew a targeting call against him, which I don't want to give anyone credit for, but he got hit. So I, I think it, there there's enough talent on this team that somebody will be good enough. And I don't think this game is purely indicative of how their running game will be for the season. Hopefully they come away with this saying, all right, maybe we need to play to our running back strengths a little bit more. We can't just assume they can do everything like JK could. Yeah, no, that's the one. That's a good point. The one yeah. last thing I do need to mention in this game, because I haven't planted my flag on this podcast in like two weeks. 
Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is my is my wide receiver one for the class of 2023. I don't care that he only has five yards receiving. I don't care that he had two targets and one of them was a uh, a targeting one or a targeting penalty that he dropped the football on. Jackson Smith and Jigba is my number one because they're already trusting him to be on the field in a game. And honestly, they didn't put him in just in garbage time. They put him in when the game was still kind of interesting. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's not even a hot take to say what he did at that in the back of the end zone was the catch of the year so far. Yes, it was, it was quite impressive. It was very, (laughs) very impressive catch. I, uh, I do think it's important to spend a little bit of time on Ohio state as they are, you know, kind of everyone's, presumed uh playoff, playoff contender yeah. um barring you know covid i think that's the only thing that's going to slow them down before they get to the playoff uh so so yeah i thought it was important to spend a little bit more time on them and of course you are uh, a fan and therefore have a little bit of uh, knowledge <laughs> the another playoff contender number two alabama destroyed tennessee 48 to 17 that line was 21 and they took care of that pretty easily we were both on it we both had alabama um we laid the points there I was watching Najee Harris. He was someone who um, I've been really impressed with. I, I meant, I've mentioned it a few times. I don't remember all exactly where, but uh, I was not as high on him going into the season as a lot of people. I just wasn't exactly sure what to expect. And I've been very, very impressed with him. He he went for, he had 20 carries, 96 and three. And then he also was involved in the passing game with six receptions for 61 yards. So I'm really enjoying watching him play. I think he's a very uh, he's a lot more dynamic than I recalled. So he's someone that I've actually moved up. He's my running back two behind only Etienne now in, in Debbie rankings. So I've moved him ahead of Hubbard. And I, I'm curious if you think that's a heresy. No, I think it's fine. I, I probably still prefer Hubbard just slightly, um, but I don't think it's far. And I honestly think the fact that he is getting the work in the passing game is really, really helpful to his draft stock. Yeah. Uh, the player I was watching in this game was Eric Gray. Um, I'm glad to see that he's seemingly taking the lead role from Ty Johnson. Wasn't a super impressive game. 19 for 57 and then three receptions uh, for five yards. No touchdowns. All I have to say is a few years ago, Leonard Fournette had like 18 carries for one yard. At least it was better than that. He didn't get purely <laughs> stuffed. Um We'll see. I'm hoping hoping to see him bounce back with another couple big games over the course of this year. Yeah, he did have that big fumble that was returned for a touchdown. But yeah, I, th- I think it's it's like you said, it's interesting seeing uh, how much work he's getting. Uh, Alabama really took care of business. Uh, we already mentioned uh, the Waddle injury, which you know is a real shame. And, and I, I am curious what this will mean for the rest of the Alabama team. Um, it was interesting outside of Devonta Smith, uh, we saw Mechie with nine targets, but then um, of course. We mentioned Najee Harris, but then someone we should probably talk a little bit about is a sophomore wide receiver Slade Bolden. Uh, he ended up with uh, seven targets as well. He hauled in six for 94 yards. Uh, anything to him? He's a sophomore. Do you think he's someone that's going to maybe move up people's, No, you know, he, you don't think there's any need to, uh, to look Not at now. I mean, I, give him, I mean, he might, there's a, there's always a chance that a player comes out of nowhere and starts. I mean, we forget. Now seeing what Chris Olave has done, we kind of forget that Chris Olave basically got his start as a meaningful part of the Ohio State offense because of a punt block that happened. So there's all, I mean, he very well might start to rise up uh, in usage and he might start to be, I, I can't say much based on going in after Jalen Waddle got hurt. I would say 
I'll, I'll ask me again in three weeks and I'll tell you if he's moved up my ranks at all. Yeah, that's fair. Let's move on. Uh, let's hit the South Carolina at LSU 24-17. I mean, excuse me, 24-52. The line was six and a half. LSU uh, took care of business. It was never in doubt. I was wrong. You were right. I can say it. The South Carolina, the, uh, the Gamecocks did not show up. The Tigers took care of business very easily. I was watching Terrace Marshall. He, again, had a solid performance, six for 88 and two. Uh, he's really producing in the touchdown department and receptions. Uh, he's really a, a huge focal point of their passing offense. Love to see him, you know, uh, maybe not drop the ball quite as often, but he's really quite fantastic. He's, yeah, he's cemented in my, you know, top six wide receivers right now. I'm, I'm really excited about his usage, and he just looks the part. He uh, he really knows how to to frame his body so that he's a he's a big target for for the quarterback and, and can move after the catch too. So I really like him. Uh, I didn't watch much of this game. I, I pretty much just watched the highlights. This was not a high on my priority li- my priority list. Uh, so so don't have a whole lot more to say about this one myself. So same. Didn't watch a ton of it. I I've watched a few highlights of it. I will say Finley, the quarterback for LSU. Fine. I, I mean. I said before this game that I thought them losing Miles Brennan might have been a good thing and that if it starts to give them a chance to see what the future might look like in their quarterback position, it could be a good thing. Although it sounds like Ed Ogeron isn't even entertaining the idea that they could win the job. So right. that's somewhat disappointing. If I'm a an LSU fan, number one, I'm rooting for Finley to have the job the rest of the year. And number two, I'm a little bit excited because the running game was pretty solid in this one. Davis Price, 135 yards and a touchdown, and then the guy that I'm really trying hard not to let fall out of my top 60, John Emery, um, 88 yards and a touchdown. He's just getting passed every year by someone else, though. It's it's kind of crazy. I mean, Davis Price was ahead of him, ahead of him on the depth chart last year, too. So for as much as he, he was 100% behind um, Davis Price in this game, it's this one is starting to look more and more like it's going to be a split for the year. And... I'm okay with it if he's productive. I'm not okay with it. Okay with it if he isn't productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To your point, Finley did yeah, have a good game. Mixon split carries his entire college career. So, yeah, no, that's true. That that is true. Yeah, Finley put put up. Uh, he had two passing touchdowns. He had one on the ground. He he looked he looked very capable. To your point, uh, fun game in Stillwater. We had Iowa State twenty one, Oklahoma State twenty four. The line was three and a half, so we were on Oklahoma State. Um, oh, I lost that one. That's disappointing. Yeah, it was a it was a close one. I, I for as much this doesn't this outcome as much as I picked Oklahoma State, and I I still think Oklahoma State's a decent team. This outcome doesn't really shock me that much because I don't think Oklahoma State's offense is going to be anything special this year. I think they are a defensive minded team, and the fact that they held Iowa State to twenty one points despite the fact that. Brees Hall had just a, a murderous game. Oh, yeah. uh, and this was why I have to move him up my ranks. Still haven't done it yet. Um, but I, I mean, I think this is kind of what you should expect from Oklahoma State. Their their style of play this year isn't going to put them in a position where they're going to blow teams out. I'd hope that they can win games by more than three and a half points, but I also would say they probably shouldn't be at the top of your list to bet on uh, spreads with. Now, totals, on the other hand, keep a close eye on them. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, to your point, uh, Brees Hall went crazy. He went 20 for 185 and one. He also had four catches for eight yards. 
Uh, he looks really good. He looks the part. He was breaking off explosive plays left and right. I was I was really happy to to watch him. And Claire, you're watching Spencer Standards, who we already talked a little bit about. He uh, he threw a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. He had 71 on the ground, 235 through the air. Uh, the one game that really surprised me this week uh, was Michigan. Put up 49 points on Minnesota, whose d- defense we weren't expecting would be good. They also had a lot of people out this game, but Minnesota only put up 24 points. Uh, we were both on Minnesota. They were actually one of my upset specials. Uh, we were wrong. Minnesota just did not look great. Uh, Tanner Morgan was all over the place. He he did not look in sync at all. I am really, really curious what he will look like moving forward because it looked like a pretty significant drop-off. He was missing open receivers. And, and even when like he would find Rashad Bateman, a lot of times uh, the, it was only a completion because Bateman is oh, just a freak athlete. Really impressive. Uh, so, so Morgan really, I, I thought, disappointed. Um, and Bell looked good at, at moments. And I was really impressed by uh, Mohamed Ibrahimi, the running back from Minnesota. He, he had 140 yards and two scores. Uh, looked really, really good. Excited to see him um, in the future as well. Joe Milton was also pretty impressive. What, what are your thoughts on this game? And, of course, you were watching Rashad Bateman, so I'd love to hear you uh, talk about him a little bit. I mean, Bateman is, ooh, is I think yeah, I think I'm going to have him at three right now. I think I'm going to have him at wide receiver three for the year. He's ridiculous. Um, glad to see that he is going to be the focal point of their offense. They attempted 31 passes. 11 of those passes went to Bateman. That's pretty solid, I would say. And I mean, 101 of the 197 team yards. Cool. 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 They also attempted to run the ball with him once. Didn't go well, but they attempted it. So the coach is going to make him the centerpiece of the offense. He's going to be really, uh, really important for them. I mean, they lost their offensive coordinator over this offseason. He's now the OC for um, Penn State. Yeah, so he's the offensive coordinator for Penn State, and I think that's an important loss for them because he was kind of critical to their success. And I'm, I would just say that I'm, I don't think this is a fluke. I don't think that Minnesota is going to be good. This year, they might not be as bad as this game looks, but I don't think they're going to be good. As for Michigan, are they back? No, they're not. <laughs> they might be. They might be the second best team in the Big Ten East. Um, I'm. I think that. I think the Penn State game will, is the first time we'll really get told a lot about them. And I don't know. I think Penn State has the tools to beat them. I just don't necessarily know if they will beat them. I think Milton's a good quarterback. He's not the next Cam Newton. Um, people said that. It's dumb. I think Ronnie Bell's pretty solid. He's not Chris Olave. Um, I think Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet are good. They might be just as good as the Ohio State running backs, but that's not saying a lot considering how much I'm talking down the Ohio State running backs. I don't know. They're a decent team. I'm not going to crush them as much as I was planning on it now. I would say... They'll be fine. Maybe they'll make the game interesting this year. Yeah. This was another game that I was kind of clicking back and forth on. And another one where anytime I was watching Joe Milton, he just looked dialed in. He looked really, really good. He looked athletic. Uh, He looked good running the ball. He looked good throwing the ball. The dude has a cannon. And when I looked at the box score after the game, I was kind of surprised that he only had 225 passing yards because I felt like he was, anytime I was watching, he was really producing um, on offense. So I'm going to have to go again, another game. I'm going to have to go look at a little bit more in depth to see uh, what my actual thoughts are on Milton. But I think just the expectations that 
I had, and I think a lot of people had on Michigan, which is that their offense would be kind of ho-hum, more of the same, not really moving the ball up and down the field very well. So seeing that huge 49 points uh, maybe is surprising for a lot of us. And, and it definitely uh, definitely caught my eye. And I, I'm going to want to dig in a little bit more to see what we have with Joe Milton because, yeah, I thought he looked, I thought he, I did think he looked special. I, I do agree that it's a little early for the Cam Newton comparisons, but um, but I was impressed with, with what I saw. Let's take a quick break and hear from our colleagues at Rotoviz, and then we're going to jump into the week nine preview. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Our first game is a game in your neck of the woods here. We've got Memphis at Cincy. Cincy favored by six and a half. Where are you leaning on this one? Uh, I'm taking Cincinnati. I was pleasantly surprised with what I saw out of Cincinnati against SMU last week. I was kind of worried about that game from the stance of SMU's offense is really explosive, and I thought that they would have a difficult time really containing them for the length of the game. I thought they might be able to hold them off for like a quarter. They might be able to hold them off for a half. But at a certain point, SMU would kind of, the dam would break open and they would start scoring. Nope. Uh, they did a really nice job containing them. Uh, and I think that this Memphis game has a very similar type outcome. So I'm going to take them in this game. And the player I'm watching is Jared Dokes running back for Cincinnati. He's been quietly productive in this, uh, in this offense. I, I don't have his numbers in front of me, so I'm not going to sit here and make them up, but he's been utilized a little bit in the passing game and he's been pretty much their main ball carrier. I, I wish it was Jerome Ford. I think Jerome Ford is probably a more talented player, but Right now, Dokes is the guy that is leading that backfield, and I'm excited to see it. Nice. Yep, I'm on Cincinnati as well. Their defense has just been so dominant. I'm excited to to see what they can do against this Memphis offense that at times has looked, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, we, <laughs> they could not be stopped against UCF, who, I mean, obviously their defense is terrible, but I'm curious to see the strength of Memphis's offense against Cincinnati's defense. I'm going to go ahead and lay the points with Cincinnati. Six and a half just um, feels like, enough that their, def- their defense will be able to, to slow it down enough. I'm um, watching Desmond Ritter, see what he can do with his legs. Hopefully he can, uh, he can get some, some nice long drives going, get the win and uh, get the points. Let's move on to a really interesting big 12 game. Oklahoma state is in the driver's seat. Uh, they're hosting the Longhorns of Texas and Oklahoma state is favored by three and a half. I'm on Texas on this one. I don't really know why I don't have a great, reason for it i just feel like the big 12 is just so up in the air any given week any team uh, seems to be able to upset someone else and why not texas i think they probably get into a hole early but are able to fight their way back into it once they start playing a more up up pace type of game i think ellen ellinger will be able to to move the ball with his legs and i expect them to uh to look at joshua moore who is my player i'm watching this week uh, wide receiver for Texas. He's He's got 21 receptions for 328 yards, but what's really impressed me is that he's already up to six touchdowns. Uh, so so let's see if they can get him involved a little bit. 
uh, early in this game. And I think Texas, um, I don't know if they, they fought out win this one, but I do think they keep it close enough that I'll, I'll take the three and a half and the, uh, yeah, just, just feels right to me. I just switched my pick on this one. Um, I do think Oklahoma state's going to win this game, but it, it's the same thing I just said about earlier in their game last week. As much as I think Oklahoma state is a good team and I think they will um, win a lot of games. I, I just don't see their style being able to blow anyone out. And when I quickly just went to look at a couple of advanced stats on this team, they're a much better, like they want this game to be a running game and they want to be able to lean into Chuba Hubbard and running the ball with Spencer Sanders, but they only have an offensive success rate uh, on the running game of 34.9%. And actually, as weird as it sounds, the strength of Texas's defense is actually against the run. They're only allowing a success rate of 36.8%. And they're basically stuffing uh, opposing running plays 28.7% of the time. I don't think it's going to be a big Chuba Hubber game. So I would just say a little bit concerned if I'm Oklahoma State that they're not going to be able to do much on offense. And their de- their offensive line still is allowing a lot of, it, a lot of havoc. Um, so... Yeah, uh, not super confident in Oklahoma State at, at all, but I will say I still think they're the better team, so I do think they'll win because they'll limit Texas's scoring opportunities. Uh, I just looked at the uh, at bet online to see what the line was in the Alabama game. It's down to 30. So Alabama minus 30 at Mississippi State. Where are you leaning on this one? I mean, at this point, isn't it, what number is too big for you with Alabama? Um, yeah, 36 and a half. <laughs> I, I, 42, 50. In this one, 40 might be because Mississippi State's offense, ever since that LSU game, um, pretty much defenses have figured out, hey, you know how we can stop this air raid? Defending it. Like, not not just... pressing at the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I don't see any way that Alabama is going to get torched the same way that LSU did. If they're not scoring a lot of points, Mississippi State ain't keeping this one close. Yeah, give me Alabama all day. And like we've mentioned a couple of times, this is probably a good matchy spot. They're going to be able to score like we've always. They're, they're going to be able to move the ball plenty. And between the increased load that he and Devonta Smith is going to get, I think this is a good spot for Mechie. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm with Alabama. I said last week that if you just pick them every every week to cover, they, they probably win more times than not. So until it's a, a scary line, I'm, I mean, I guess some people would say 30 is scary, but I'm, I'm taking it. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Player I'm watching is Mac Jones. He's having an outstanding year. He's got 19. He's got over 1,900 yards and 12 touchdowns versus only two interceptions. He has just looked outstanding. He's also got one rushing touchdown. Um, so he's he's really getting it done um, for this Alabama offense. I was kind of expecting him to struggle, and maybe we would see Bryce Young sooner or later. But uh, Mac Jones has kind of put all of those controversies to bed. He's really taken the reins and and looks fantastic and a lot of the reason why Alabama is doing so well so I think that that he has another really good game here Uh, like you said he's got even though he lost one of the best receivers in the country he's still got uh, plenty of weapons Uh, so so I'm going to be watching Mac Jones and I'm taking Alabama let's uh, let's skip this next one for now let's finish off with uh, one of the games of the week Uh, let's let's first hit Boston College at Clemson Clemson minus 31 and a half so kind of a similar line here to to the Bama one uh, and Clemson's at home. What do you think on this one? So Clemson's actually not good against the spread this year. They're two and four against the number. Um, largely that's because they're going up against really big numbers all year. And because of that, I think the play, if you're going to play the full game line, is to take Boston College. 
I don't think Boston College is going to find a ton of success in the first half. Clemson's defense is like top 10 across the board in all the stats I care about. And I just don't see a real way that they're going to score a lot. But I think this is the kind of game where Clemson is up by 28 points at half, takes their foot off the gas. And now all of a sudden, Boston College scores a couple of points in the second half. Clemson scores not really at the same rate they were in the first half. And it's it's just kind of an even game. My favorite play on this one is you'll hear in the locks. But for the game, I think if I had to take the full game line, I'm going to just hold off um, uh, stick with the trends for the year and go with Boston College. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Clemson here, uh, mainly because the once upon a time we thought that like a four or a 30 point line was too big and they were up by four, 54 points at half. So, <laughs> right, because they certainly can do it. I've been again, I, I think it's a matter of what they want to do in this game as opposed to what they have to do in this game. If they want to put up 60, they can. Um, I don't know if they go, you know, full on Georgia Tech on them, but uh, but I do know that that uh, Dabo was was uh, chattering a bit uh, this this weekend, and I think maybe uh, they just want to shut some people up and, and show that they can they can actually cover the spread. So I'm going to go with Clemson. Give me some narrative street. I love it. Player I'm watching is uh, Nagata. I've been so disappointed in him. He was pretty high up on my boards this this off season. He climbed quite a bit after um, some of the like the injury to Justin Ross. Uh, but for the year, he has six receptions for 69 yards and zero touchdowns. That is not nice. Um, I don't care what you say. That is not nice. That's a game. Like if he had that in a game, I'd be happy. But for this season, it's a very big disappointment. I'm curious if they get him going. Um, if not, I mean, this is kind of I'm kind of at the point now where he's about to plummet I, in our ranks. Yeah, he's not like if, if all he's about to plummet. Well, he won't be in my he won't be in my top sixty. He may not be in my top one hundred if he doesn't yeah. come through pretty soon here. There's just so many other exciting players in college football um, that that one I kind of want to fun players in college football is uh, is my player that I'm watching, which is Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is third in the ACC in receiving yards. He is a true sophomore, I believe. He was not a highly rated prospect, so I don't necessarily think he's going to be like a super duper star. But I do think he's he's been a really productive guy in this Boston College offense and is a guy that, I mean, we're not far away from having to start considering as a Devi asset. Cool. Well, all right, let's move on to uh, your game of the week here, Ohio State at Penn State. Ooh. Penn State plus 11 and a half last time we checked. By the time you're listening to this, it could have changed. This one's been moving quite a bit so far this week already. So so where are you on this one, and uh, who are you watching? Um, I'm taking Ohio State. I'm, I'm going to put this out there. If we put Ohio State games on this, I don't think I'm going to pick against them all year just because I can't do that to my heart. Um, player I'm watching, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned they're going to hold out Olave. Not necessarily. I, I mean, they probably should. He took a huge hit. Um, fun fact, that was not a targeting in the game where they called like four targetings when they openly concussed a player on the field. Not a targeting. Whatever. Um but I think uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to get a lot of the spots where Chris Olave would play. Everything I continue to read about him from coaches is that that catch that you saw in the back of the end zone, not a fluke. That's the stuff he does every day in practice. So if that's the case, I think he's going to get a lot of work. As for my actual analysis of the game, Penn State's going to try to mimic what Nebraska did. They're going to try to run the ball with Sean Clifford and uh, with Will Levis over and over and over again. I think those two guys are very good and they're better overall quarterbacks because they're better passers than Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey. Neither one of them is the athlete 
that McCaffrey or Martinez is. And after Ohio State got exploited by that last week, I fully expect that somebody shadowing the quarterback is going to be a part of the game plan. And you'll see that it's a lot less successful. And honestly, outside of Dotson and Fryermuth, I can't tell you a receiver on Penn State's offense. And I watch quite a bit of it. I just don't think that they're going to be able to pass the ball well enough. And we already mentioned it. They're now down to their third string running back as their lead guy. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem like something you want when you're going up against maybe the most talented roster in the country. Right. I, I'm with you on this one. I've, I've got Ohio State. Uh, I don't think I need to jump into it anymore. The players I'm watching is just the running back room for Ohio State. I'm curious if, yeah, I'm just kind of curious what's going to happen there. See if they have a little bit more success this week. We'll see. I'm curious. To me, that would be, you know, as a neutral observer, that's kind of the area that I see as one of the bigger weaknesses for Ohio State. But I don't know if it's a big enough weakness that they um, that it's going to cost them anything. But that's where I, that's where I'm leaning. Um, leaning on Ohio State, not leaning. I love Ohio State this week. Um, I'm, but I'm, I am watching the, the the running backs. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day and every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Awesome. Let's get into the locks here. Why don't you give me uh, the one you want to go with uh, first and foremost? Ohio State minus 11.5 at Penn State. Get it out of the way. We just talked about it. Ohio State's team is the number one rated team in Overall, S&P Plus, they're top 10 in defense, and they're top 5 in offense. They've got Justin Fields. That's really all I care about. They've got Justin Fields. Um, I don't see a way that Ohio State isn't putting up 35 to 40 points in this game on the low end. And, yeah, I, I mean, I just, with Ohio State, I mean, with Penn State's receivers that really weren't able to do a ton against uh, Indiana, I don't think they're doing anything against a top 10 defense. So, Give me Ohio State. Give me 11 and a half all day. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually broke this down on the lock uh, and actually bet it already. And that was a, that was when it was at minus 13. So I feel like I'm getting an extra an extra little boost here with this this number being dropped down. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you. This is one of the few times where we actually are both on the same game on the same side of the same game. So so let's do it. Let's roll. Uh, I love it. What's next? You can go again. Since, yeah. Uh, All right. So I'm going to go with a team that you bet the over on last week, but that you shouldn't have. So ULM and App State, right now the total on that game is 55 and a half. I'm going to take the under. ULM on the season is five and one on unders. App State is three and one on unders. Um, ULM has an offensive success rate of just 35% and they heavily favor the pass. Uh, App State, their strength on defense is their pass, their passing defense. So they're only allowing a 30.3% success passing success rate. I don't think these teams are going to score all that much in this game. Actually, quickly glancing, uh, I thought this one had weather. Doesn't have weather, whatever. Still don't think they're scoring a lot of points. And if they do score a lot of points, I think it's going to be on the App State side. I was tempted to just take App State in this one, but I didn't. I don't like betting on App State too many times. (laughs) They've burned me too many times to take them back-to-back weeks. Uh, My next one is I've got UNC 
um, at Virginia. I'm taking, I'm going to lay the points with, with the Tar Heels at minus six and a half Virginia, not, not, not that good at all. And in North Carolina, I think maybe we can all agree that they were a little bit overhyped when they were ranked within the top five, but they're still a really, really good team. Uh, they are six and two against the spread in their last eight games. Uh, I I'm, I'm still a believer in what this offense can do. I really like their running backs. We've talked about them quite a bit. I don't think Virginia is going to be able to, to slow them down enough. I was shocked to see this number at six and a half. I thought it would be double digits. I've had to check numerous times to make sure that I'm not missing something. I don't think I am. Um, give me UNC minus six and a half. I, I feel, I feel just as good as this one, as I did about the, uh, Texas tech losing last week. <laughs> I like that one actually. I I've I looked at that spot. I do think that's a good spot. Um, I'm gonna go. I really so I know I've been a huge under player all year, and I'm not. This isn't gonna be my last under of the day, but I do want to point out that I'm not gonna be as much of a one trick pony because I'm starting to lose money on them. So, but here's a spot that's too good to miss. So you got Kansas State and Iowa St- or Kansas and Iowa State at the total of 52. You want to know the reason I love this game? There are crosswinds in this game. You know how much the crosswinds are? 20 miles an hour. That means you are not passing the ball super effectively. Brock Purdy is very good in October. I don't care. He's not throwing the ball this this game in October because there's going to be 20-mile-per-hour crosswinds. Um, Kansas, they are 32.5% success rate on offense, and their explosiveness is all below average. They're going to struggle to score. Um, Breezy Hall, he is pretty much with the wins this is going to be their entire offense and while i do think that he is going to find plenty of success he he ran through oklahoma state kansas is quietly better against the run than they are against the pass so this is probably favoring their defense so maybe they'll be able to get more stops they're only allowing a 38.8 percent success rate and 2.7 line yards per play and i believe they have a stuff rate around i thought it was like 20 something percent um, I do believe that in this game, they'll get just enough stops and I don't think they're scoring points. Give me 52 points. Give me the under love it. Yeah, they're going to be able. And, and, and I think, I think, um, Iowa state with Brees Hall, they're going to be able to just run the ball at will. So <laughs> the, the clock will be moving pretty quick. Uh, my next one is I've got Northwestern plus two and a half at Iowa. I'm taking a road underdog. I don't do that very often, but I'm going to, um, this is also, you know, go ahead and toss a little money line action on this one. I think Northwestern just flat out beats Iowa. I was really impressed with them. Uh, they have a new offensive coordinator, as we know, and the the offense looked really, really dynamic. Again, they were playing Maryland, so that's probably part of the problem here or part of the, the reason. But I like Northwestern with the two and a hook. Uh, give it to me all day. Uh, let, let's let's roll. So that's that one's another one. I, I mean, I think I might go undefeated this week, Matt. <laughs> I feel like we said this last week, but yep. whatever. <laughs> That's why but they're called live, baby. You want to know, know something that I'm going to do? I'm going to go to that game. And that you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm not taking yes. the spread. I'm not fighting you on this. I'm going to go to a total. That total is 46 points. And I know everyone who's listening to this is cringing because they think I'm going to take the under. They think I'm just going under in this game. I'm going over 46 with Northwestern. You want to know what I would not have done uh, ever? Last year, I would not have taken Northwestern and Iowa over, especially when there's high winds in the game. I don't care. Both these teams actually showed me quite a bit. They actually play with a decent amount of pace last week. I think Iowa was averaging like 24 seconds per play. Northwestern was in like the 27. And honestly, Northwestern's would have been higher if they weren't just running out the clock in the second half. Um, Northwestern hired over this offseason. They brought in Boston College's uh, offensive coordinator, Boston College, uh, 
last year. They were not good, but they ran a really, really fast offense. If he is bringing those traits over to Northwestern, they're going to be getting a lot of pace per play. They're going to actually get down to that 22 to 24 seconds per play. And in this situation, that's going to mean points. While I do think that the high winds are going to limit how much they're going to lean on Peyton Ramsey in this game, who was a little bit more successful than I anticipated, it actually forces both these teams into an area where they're stronger. Iowa last week had a 52.9% offensive success rate on rushing plays. Northwestern had a 50% offensive success rate. Both of their lines were able to get more, generate more than 3.5 yards per or line yards per play. And honestly, both of the defenses, they're fine. But I think that in this case, all you need both these two teams is to get into the 20s. If we're looking for a game like 28 to 20, 28 to 20 is great in this spot. And I think they're going to get there. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game than anticipated. Give me an over in a weird Big Ten spot. Yeah, I, I, I think that I love over. So, you know, I'm not going to fight you on that one. Uh, my next one is Troy plus three at Arkansas State. Yet another road dog. This is this is just so weird for me. I don't know what I'm doing. At least I'm taking all, it looks like I'm taking all road teams this week. Uh, but uh, this game, if you look at S&P Plus, they actually have Troy as the favorite uh, by about three and a half points. So I feel like I'm getting that six and a half point value, which feels really good. This will not be my uh, upset special. I don't know if Troy just comes out and wins right away. Uh, or, but, I, but I do think Troy can hang in there, keep it close. Um, Arkansas State got got rolled last week. I don't think they're going to bounce back here. Troy may not be uh, quite what App State is, but I think they're going to be able to hang in there. Uh, give me Troy plus three. I just looked at my board and I still have a lot of picks left, so I better get moving. Uh, I mentioned this play earlier, Clemson minus 18 in the first half against Boston college for as bad as they are on total spreads, two and four on the game. They are actually four and two on first half spreads for the year with their losses being last week. And I can't remember the other one, but it was another one where it was like 20 something points Clemson, their defense, 28.5% success rate allowed 30% success or 30% stuff rate and a havoc of 36%. Um, they forced 2.32 turnovers per game. And while Boston College's defense was better than last year, they've dropped their scoring defense by, I think, a full touchdown from what they were last year. They do allow a 44% success rate on defense, and they are allowing a 47% success rate to rushing plays. This looks like a spot where Travis Etienne is going to be able to do whatever he wants in the game. And if Travis Etienne is able to run effectively, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is always going to be able to pass the ball well. I don't see a way where Boston College is getting Clemson off the field. And I do think that Clemson is pretty much going to be able to stop Boston College offense, who, while they do look very good, have not played any defense even close to this Clemson defense. So give me Clemson in the first half. It's it's a little bit risky, but whatever. We saw what can happen in first half lines last week. But screw it. Clemson, first half, 18 points. You're back on that horse. I'm, I like you're going to get a lot of first half spreads from me. I really, I have fun with them. Yeah, no, it is fun, and you can uh, you can just lose your money quickly instead of waiting for the entire game, which is fun. Um, Charlotte are five and two against the spread in their last seven games. I like those numbers. Those those sound like numbers that I want to get behind. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Duke is struggling mightily this year, and um, they're only one and five on the year. They are three and three against the spread, but I think that this game is going to be a lot closer. 
Charlotte is getting 11 points here. I'm going to go ahead and take that. I think they keep this close. I think Duke is getting a little bit uh, overrated here just because of the conferences that they're in. Uh, so give me Charlotte plus 11. I like this one quite a bit. Uh, this one's one I've already bet. So um, pretty happy about that. This is an S&P Plus play for you as well, or you may not have looked at it that way. S&P Plus actually has, even with a one-point home field advantage for Duke, S&P Plus has Charlotte as an outright favorite in this game. You are getting insane value in this spot. This would probably be, if you are an S&P Plus better and you read it a lot, this is going to be one of his plays for the week. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good one. I I, I did actually look at that, but uh, I had used S and P plus for my reason for Troy, so I didn't want to go back to the what that same well back to back. But yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Um, whatever. I got Texas and Oklahoma State under 59. Like I said, Oklahoma State's offense is really not that strong, and I think that without the ability to run the ball against this Texas defense, they're gonna rely very heavily on their passing game, and I don't think their passing game is anywhere near as good particularly if they're allowing as much havoc as they typically do. In this spot, I just don't think they're able to score, but their defense is absurd. Um, And I just think that in this spot, Texas isn't going to be able to score a lot. And I think at 59, I don't see either one of these teams getting to 30. And if neither team gets to 30, that's a win for me. So lock it up at uh, under 59, and I'm happy. Yeah, I'm going to take an over. This one might be kind of surprising because Air Force does like to play that that kind of triple option, run the ball. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and back my boy, back Meyer. I think he is just a fantastic quarterback for Boise State. I think they're going to be able to score a lot of points this game. I think, Air's, I think Air Force keeps it close, and I think that's why I'm taking the over. I think both teams end up uh, putting up quite a few points. I'm not sure if Boise State uh, is able to cover the spread, uh, which is why I'm going to go ahead and avoid that at minus 14, it feels a bit much. I think Air Force keeps it close. But because of that, I think both teams are for- forced to continue playing offense, continue f- trying to score points. Um, that number's at 49. It opened at about 52. So uh, it's going down. I'm going to wait to play this one to see if I can get a little bit more value. Maybe 48, 48 and a hook. So uh, Boise, Arizona, for- Arizona, Arizona, I keep calling them Arizona, Air Force, uh, over 49. Uh, give it to me. Here in Colorado, the snow is gone. It's going to be... Uh, just fine weather here. So it's going to be good for some, some, some high scoring football games. And, you know, really 49 is a pretty low number. So I'm loving it. Uh, Boise, uh, my boy, my boy, Hank is going to get, get things done. All right. I like it. Uh, Cincinnati and Memphis. We talked about this game earlier. I was actually very impressed by what Cincinnati did against SMU. I think that they're going to find similar success. I don't think that they're going to uh, score as much as they did last week, despite the fact that Memphis's defense is, scorable on um that's the word uh yeah uh number right now the total on this game is 55 and a half i I think i got a little bit of value there because i just don't think i think one of these teams is going to struggle to get into the 20s whether memphis is able to just get like turn cincinnati's offense into a uh a mess of an offense which could happen um and or cincinnati or cincinnati is able to shut down everything on Memphis. Um, I, I do like the spread on this game. However, my one concern about this one is that Memphis beat them twice last season, different team, but at the same time, uh, I, I would just be a little bit concerned in this spot. I would much rather bet on the strength of the Cincinnati team. And that is their defense. Yeah. I've got one more play this week. Um, it's Minnesota minus 19 and a half at Maryland, a Friday night delight. 
Maryland's terrible. I don't know if you you knew that. Um, we certainly do. They keep getting these these pretty big numbers put up against them. And even with that, they're one and five against the spread in their last six games. They are not a good team. And I think they might become a good team eventually. I don't know. I like their receivers, but Tonga Bailoa just couldn't get them the ball uh, and very Wait, successful. What are you talking about? The guy that I told you was a Mac starter and that yes. shouldn't be starting in the Big Ten? Oh, yep, that that's guy. that. That's the very same guy. Meanwhile, I think Minnesota bounces back. They're not facing uh, Michigan this week. Uh, I think they're going to be able to get things moving a little bit. I think the combination of Bateman and um, Muhammad Ibrahim is going to be too much for, for Maryland's defense. They're going to be able to hit them uh, through the air and on the ground. I think this one ends up being 24, 26 point victory for Minnesota. So I, I feel pretty good about the value I'm getting here. Uh, so you're going to want to lock it up soon because it's a Friday night game, as I mentioned, but M- Minnesota should be in a, in a good, in a good spot here. I think uh, if, if they don't cover this one, man, my, my call of Minnesota to, uh, to win the conference is, is going to look uh, pretty foolish. My only concern on that game is if Minnesota is still missing their right guard and right tackle, it might be difficult for them to score a lot, but whatever. I think you're okay in this one because Maryland really is bad. We got to wrap this up uh, with my last pick. It's a pick that no one is expecting from me. It's a pick that I'm not expecting from me, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, BYU minus 28 and a half against Western Kentucky. Yeah, I don't like really huge favorites, but I do like really huge favorites when they're playing against teams that never covered the spread. Western Kentucky on the year is 0-6 against the spread. Their average loss is by 11 points each matchup. They have a 36.1% success rate on offense, and they are incredibly low in their explosiveness numbers. BYU, on the other hand, they are 5-1 against the spread with an average win by 13.3 points. I like this BYU team. I think they're the best non-Power 5 team. I think Zach Wilson is going to be able to do whatever he wants in this game. And I think their defense is probably going to hold a bad Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky. I got a weird accent on that one. Bad Western Kentucky offense to basically no offense. So heck if it's 31 to nothing, I don't care if it's 52 to 10, I don't care. Somehow BYU was putting up enough points to cover uh, four and a half touchdowns. Yeah, let's do it. I I like that. I, I can roll with that. Do you have any, uh, any upset specials for us this week that you like to talk about? No, let me look. No, I'll get you one. I'll get you one. But give me a mine, 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 my one. I'm kind of, kind of cheating. I'm stealing one of my locks. But give me Northwestern to, to just flat out beat Iowa. I, I like that one. Uh, another one that I was looking at here uh, that that wouldn't uh, shock me. Although I don't know, maybe it would. <laughs> but uh, let me find that I was just looking at it and then I scrolled and I no longer see it. Oh, Houston to upset UCF. Okay, I, I can I can hang with that. Uh, I'm gonna go with Baylor uh, over TCU. S and P Plus has them actually as a slight favorite against TCU, and they are catching points so i will take i don't know what the number is but i'm going to take baylor and it's hmm. two and a half over tcu yeah but i don't know what the money line is oh the money line for baylor is plus 117 yeah okay i like that and then i really want to like say something trollish but i'm not going to um oh what were you gonna say i mean auburn over lsu is kind of interesting for me um, but I won't do that. And then, yeah, 
No, I don't have anything else. I think those are all my, that's really my only one that I got for you. Yeah, my Houston one's not great. It's at minus 106, so it's not even very exciting. Uh, the other one I was kind of curious out was uh, was Louisville uh, plus 100 at home against Virginia Tech. Uh, but uh, I just don't know. That Virginia Tech, both these teams are just so Jekyll and Hyde, you know. It's it's really hard to know what either one. I thought with uh, with Hendon Hooker back, Virginia Tech would look great, and they really struggled. Meanwhile, Louisville really surprised me last week, being able to uh, just dominate Florida State. So, I don't know. I don't know what to make of those teams. So I am going to watch that game and see what takes place. We did that. Cool. Well, thank you guys all for listening. Again, we'll have this out on um, our individual feed, which is to be found anywhere you listen to podcasts at College Football Fantasy Podcast. Again, those released uh, Thursday morning, Thursday early afternoon. And then it's on the Road of His Radio stream on Friday mornings. Please do follow us on Twitter. You can find Matt at Wispy the Kid. I am on there at Stay Fun Lucko. Thank you guys so much for listening. Do you have anything to say to our good listeners, Matt, before we take off? Bye, Chris Alave. Have a good one. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.